I found out before I started teaching it that they didn't have anybody who could pass the accounting class with the old teacher, and so they asked me, and kids can actually pass mine, I guess, so they keep me around to, to teach accounting, and then from time to time they'll ask me to teach another business class. Uh, I, I don't think that if you had talked to Aaron and I back in 97, 98, 99, that either, either one of us would say that someday we would be teaching classes at Free World Baptist Bible College. Uh, but both of us from time to time get called upon uh, to offer our skills in that particular area uh, for the benefit of uh, Free Will Baptist. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for his friendship. Now, Leslie and I go back too. So I don't want to think it's all about Aaron. Uh, Leslie and I met in 2002, uh, had uh, built a great friendship uh, that still holds true to this day. Uh, been down to her house uh, where her mom lives, Miss Helen. Uh, wonderful. I know her, her, her sister, Charity. I got to meet her grandparents before they went on to be with the Lord. Had a lot of fun. Uh, that's where I went to my first crab and shrimp boil uh, in Mobile. Was with her family. Had a great time. I love crab legs and I love shrimp. So I was in heaven almost uh, being in Mobile at a crab leg and shrimp boil. And it was some wonderful times. And we have a lot of funny stories of those uh, couple trips uh, from Nashville to, to Mobile. So... There's some great, that's a great couple. I love them dearly, and uh, so thankful we could be here with them today. Uh, if you want to turn to John chapter 3, uh, that's where I'll be today. As we look around the world we live in today, we can see a lot of things that if you had talked to my grandparents when they were younger, They'd say they, could n they would never believe that the world is what it is today. My grandma turns 90 in April. And if you had told her that some of the things we see happening in the world today uh, would be happening, she would say that there's no way. There are a lot of things uh, that have come into this world because Satan has been able to get a foothold and been able to dissuade people, persuade them to do things that are that my grandparents would have never dreamed of doing. And we've seen the world take a turn because of it. And I, I, in my personal opinion, I think it has a lot to do with uh, the, the introduction that divorce is a good thing. If you don't get along, don't worry about it, just get divorced and moved on. And from that, I think we have seen a whole host of things come out that seem to be okay, living with each other so that way we don't get divorced. Right? So let's live with each other, see if we can put up with each other so we don't end up getting divorced. Let's do this, let's do that. Let's, let's not worry about getting married. All these things, I think, can kind of go back to that. But anyway, we have seen a great deal of things uh, that even weren't even talked about back in the 50s and 60s that now are commonplace everywhere. Now, I don't want to make it sound like the world is horrible today and it's never been this bad i think if you go back to what paul wrote about and what he talked about in acts uh what luke talked about with paul in, in acts and what uh, paul dealt with in some of his writings you could see that rome had gone astray as well so sometimes we have a tendency to look at this world and see how awful it is or how much sin is out there and we focus in on that we want to focus in on they shouldn't be doing that. We want to focus in on the fact that the, the, the way they're living is not 
right is not scriptural. We want to focus in on those things because that's what we have seen the last 20 or 30 years as we have been here on this earth. I can't believe that people live like that. I can't believe they do that. Don't they know how wrong that is? And today I want to encourage us maybe to step back and look at that just a little differently. John 3.16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Such an encouraging, as we know that Jesus came, gave his life so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven, so that we could spend eternity with God, our creator, and the wonderful place that he has gone to prepare for us. But when you get, you know, Nicodemus was there talking to Jesus, and Nicodemus would have been in a position where he would have understood that God loved them and that God had a plan for them. I mean, they were the chosen people, right? Israel was God's chosen people. It would not have been strange to them that they would spend eternity with God. But the way that conversation went with Nicodemus, Jesus introduced some new things to him to make him look at things differently. And I think verse 17 is a big part of that too. So when we look at verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I think that's a very powerful verse if you stop and break it down. He didn't send Jesus to this earth to condemn it. He had already done that, right? At the Garden of Eden, after the introduction of sin, he had condemned this world already. He told the human race that you will die. Condemnation had already come. So Jesus' reason for coming to this earth wasn't to add on to that condemnation. We live in this world today among all kinds of things. Adultery, drunkenness, uh, a variety of sins, uh, homosexuality, that permeate us and that, that we are exposed to on a daily basis. And oftentimes we look at that and go, God hates that. Hates that sin, hates the fact that uh, there's homosexuality, hates the fact that there's adultery, hates the fact that there's drunkenness. All these things that we see in society today. Let me tell you, God doesn't need us to continue to add to that. Because I can guarantee you the person who's living in homosexuality feels plenty of guilt. The person whose marriage is breaking up feels plenty of guilt. And how do I know that? You know it by talking to them. If they're honest and sincere with you, you can tell the guilt that's there without you having to say a thing about it. You can see the, 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 the things that they're guilty about. Well, I should have done this differently. I should have acted this way differently. Maybe if I had done this differently, I'd still be married. The weight of the guilt of the situation that they're facing in their life, maybe if I hadn't, been, maybe if I hadn't gone with that friend to this party, I wouldn't have gotten addicted to drugs. Maybe if I hadn't ordered that drink, I wouldn't have become an alcoholic. All of those things are the guilt that weighs on that person when they stop and think about where they're at in their life. 
And I think this verse right here says Jesus didn't come to add to that. I think this verse here says they don't need any help feeling condemned. And from that guilt, I think they then have a sense of shame. Because as people find out about these things, people tend to be shameful about it. And then stop hanging around people because they don't want to look people in the eye that now know they're divorced. That now know I do drugs. Or that now know that I'm a gay individual, a homosexual individual. Now that these people know that, I don't want to be around them anymore because I can't handle the shame I'm going to feel by being in their presence because I know they're a Christian and they'll think that what I'm doing is wrong. That shame that keeps them from coming to church. A couple that goes through divorce, oftentimes neither one of them go back to the church they attended together. Now sometimes one of them stays. If there's enough of that congregation that they feel comfortable enough around uh, to love them and to stay. But oftentimes, at least one of them leaves, sometimes both. Because they can't handle the shame of being there and looking people in the eye that they uh, worshipped with together as a couple. And the things that they may think that are being thought about them, whether true or not, that constant weight of that shame that they feel, what they've been, been through, what they're going through, and I don't think that according to this verse, Jesus came to add to that shame. I don't think that his, his goal is to add, to heap on top of that, how bad people feel. Now, we sometimes, the sin and the, that we go through, the guilt that we face, we sometimes have difficulty going before the throne of God because we're ashamed at what we did. We're ashamed of, of the fact that we've sinned and we disobeyed God's word. And so it makes it then difficult to come before his throne, ashamed of what we've done. But he says to come, to come boldly, to confess your sins. And he says, even though you might not know how to do it, I've given you the Holy Spirit who knows your heart and will come before me on your behalf, sharing the things that he knows your heart really wants to say. So sometimes when it's hard, when it's difficult, all we need to do is stop and take the time. And the Holy Spirit's there to help us. The Holy Spirit plays a great role in our lives if we understand what He's done and what Scripture says His role is for the believer. And that's one of them. So we've had the guilt that adds to us, that weighs us down, the shame that keeps us from being around people who knew us before we were before it came out that we were whatever we were or are. And then we feel the grief that comes from being known as that person. The grief that comes from being identified as a homosexual or being identified as a drunkard or being identified as a drug addict. Those things weigh us down. The grief that comes with that, grief, depression, however you want to look at it. There's a great deal of suicide that happens with that group of, those groups of people that I've mentioned because of the guilt that they have weighing down on them, because of the shame they feel, because of the grief they're going through that turns into depression, that makes them think that this world has nothing to offer them. There's nowhere for them to turn, nowhere for them to look, so 
why continue to stay here and to continue to go through this in our lives? I think the first part of this passage says that's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to this world so that our grief would get the best of us. Now, those things weigh on us and God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus can use those things to accomplish the last part of this verse. But but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus came to save us, to bring us salvation, to bring us connection back to God, right? That's what he's there for, bring reconciliation with us so that when God now looks down, he no longer sees me and my sin, but the blood of Jesus covering me, white as snow, so that I can now stand before him and all he sees is the blood of Jesus. And I can stand there boldly and make my petitions known to God. I can share the things on my heart with the creator of this entire universe. That's what he came to accomplish. So I would say first, instead of him bringing guilt, he brings peace. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that even though all those things have faced me, all those things have happened to me, all those things have come and I've been a part of them, When I get saved, I'm promised a peace that passes all understanding. Because let me tell you, when that weight of that guilt is gone, it is unconceivable what that peace is. Why is there nothing pushing me down anymore? Why is there nothing holding me down anymore? Because I have a peace knowing that the Creator of this world sent a Savior so that I could be forgiven. So that all those things that I've done could be washed under the blood. That's the peace that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and why He came to this world to save us. So that we could feel that amazing peace. I think there's a reason He's called the Prince of Peace because that peace is what He gets to come and give to each and every one of us. And it, and it, it is wonderful how it feels to know that regardless now of what happens on this earth, regardless now of anything else that transpires, because I am a son of God, I am promised to get to spend eternity in heaven with Him. And there is a peace that comes from knowing that, what, that the end here on this earth is not the end, that there's a future in heaven. Now, instead of shame, He offers us I almost said the wrong thing. So instead of shame, peace. My last one. Oh, officer, salvation. We get to be saved. We are a a generation that gets to be saved from the things that we have done. No longer shame. No longer, I remember my term now, joy. Instead of shame, we have joy. And I'm not talking about a joy that means we're happy all the time. I'm talking about a joy that there is inside of us that keeps us from getting down all the time and staying down. Listen, there is sadness that comes in this, on this earth. There is sadness that happens because people die that we love. There are moments on this earth that things happen that cause us to be sad. So we're not going to be happy all the time, but there is joy in knowing the Lord. 
Right? What's the scripture passage? Joy comes in the morning. There is a joy that we get to experience that is unexplainable. Because it's not just happiness, right? It's this fountain within us that keeps us warm, uh, lets us know that we're loved. This joy that regardless of what happens on this earth, uh, I feel like I'm in a constant state of being hugged by my Heavenly Father. That's joy. That's, that's excitement. Remember as a kid when our parents would hug us, we felt safe. There was a place there that we felt joy, happiness, and, and knew that we were going to be safe. And let me tell you, that's what, those two things, peace and joy, are the two things that we have to offer that no one else can. To all those things, to the, to the guilt and to the shame, the, there's nothing else in this world that can offer the peace and the joy that comes from accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior and truly experiencing that salvation that comes. Nothing else. Maybe that may have been the reason they turned to drugs. May have been the reason they turned to alcohol. May have been the reason they turned to sex. All those things may have been what they thought was going to make them feel better. And none of it's working. All we have to do is talk about the peace that we experience, the joy that comes from knowing who Jesus Christ is, Him being our Savior, and serving Him faithfully. So peace and joy. But this last one really excites me. You know, I talked about the, uh, the guilt, the shame, and the grief. Then you have the peace, the joy, and the hope. Hope is so exciting here on this earth. The things that we get to hope for that are going to happen one day, that we get to hold on to as the promises of God, are amazing. No longer is there a need for depression and worry that no one here on this earth cares about us and that we should leave this world. There's a hope for a world to come that is so much better than what we can imagine here. And all we have to do is stay faithful. There's a hope that because despite all the things I've done in my past, I have the promise of a future in heaven to spend all eternity with God instead of spending all eternity being continually damned and separated from God. That hope is amazing. That hope is promised to us throughout all of Scripture. From the very beginning, God didn't just condemn Adam and Eve and say, you have no hope. He gave them hope by saying, one day there will come a day when I will send someone who will bruise the head of this serpent. From the very beginning, He offered hope to Adam and Eve. That hope was seen in Jesus Christ. And we have that hope today because He died, which covered our sins, but on that third day, He rose from the grave. The grave couldn't hold Him down because He lived a sinless life. And because of, the hope, because of Him coming out of that grave alive, we know that there will come a day when we will ascend into heaven to die no more. That hope is what this world is looking for. Something that says there is something beyond this life here on this earth. There is something beyond the guilt and the shame and the grief that I feel. And church, we need to talk more about the peace, the joy, and the hope that comes, just like Christ came, not to condemn this world, but that the world through Him would be saved. Be saved. Jesus came giving a great deal of hope and peace to everybody He interacted with. And they left joyful for having been with the Lord. I think that the church needs, I need to spend a little less time 
looking at how bad things are and how bad people are and spend a little more time focusing on how amazing God's gift to us is and talking about that. Offering some peace to a person who's so weighed down in guilt they don't know what they're going to do. Talking a little more about that peace. Talking a little more about that joy. Talking a little more about the hope that we have. And as we talk about those things with people, I think we can see our communities start to change. And yes, I do think it can start with one or two people. And yes, I do think it can start with a small church, a big church. Anybody who's willing to say, I'm more focused on the fact that he came to save this world than he was to come and condemn this world. Now, we all know that sin is going to cause us to die. And that sin is a horrible thing. But the sin's not the person. I'm not saying that it was a result of peace and joy that we have to then accept or approve what someone's doing. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that when they turn from that and accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're going to experience something totally different. But they're not going to get to that point if all you do is point out what they're doing is wrong. By not pointing out what they're doing is wrong, it may come across to some that you're accepting it or you're approving it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they've got enough of it on them. Show them how the peace can lift that heavy burden off their shoulders. Show them the positives that come from being a Christian. The hope, the things that are in the Word of God that we know make us different. Make us joyful here on this earth. So that we have that hope and can be excited about that hope that comes one day. That this isn't the end. I appreciate your attentiveness this morning and I would ask that as we have a moment of reflection and prayer uh, that if there's something weighing on you, maybe you are right now experiencing that guilt and shame and grief because you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if the things I've talked about around that peace and joy and hope sound exciting to you, I hope you'll come. I hope you'll say, Christ, I want to experience that. I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're the person who I have always been focusing on the bad of people, and now I need to start helping people see the positive that comes, that, they, that the world through Christ should be being saved. Maybe that's where you're at. And if the Holy Spirit's weighing heavy on you this morning, I would encourage you to come and pray. I'd be glad to pray with you. I know Brother Aaron would, and I would encourage you to make that that move. If you'll stand with me, well, closing a word in prayer, turn it over to Brother Aaron. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Nicodemus who was willing to step out and seek out Jesus and get the answers to the questions he was looking for. And Lord, I just ask you would help us be the same way. And I'd ask that this verse 17 hits home with us as hard as verse 16 does. For we know that Jesus did not come into this world to condemn it, but that the world through Him might be saved. And the only way that's going to happen is through us. Through the love that we show to a lost and dying world. So thank you for this time this morning. You're an awesome and wonderful God. We just ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.